And Scott Sharp, you're going to be talking about something as well, aren't you? Yes. You know what I thought I might talk about today? Because hopefully uh, all those mums out there got some lovely presents yesterday and often you get uh, plants for Mother's Day gifts. So I thought I might have a chat about how to look after those gifts in the coming weeks. Uh, Camellias, they're all out in flower at the moment. We'll talk about those. And prepping, prepping your bed for planting new season's roses. Also to talk to us about those Mother's Day plants. Yes, we'll have a, a chat about those. Uh, yeah, look, most mothers would have been given, you know, some sort of lovely gift yesterday. Oh, look, my mother was given a very lovely gift, I can tell you that. Uh, not a plant, though, not a plant. By you? No, my brother, actually. I, <laughs> I completely failed. <laughs> but most mothers were given a plant of some sort, a chrysanthemum, a cyclamen. So I thought we might just deal with uh, chrysanthemums first, how best to uh, look after them. Uh, look, I, I guess, you know, they're not really an indoor plant. They're actually uh, an outdoor plant. So if you've got a nice well-lit spot, uh, even, uh, you know, somewhere where you're going to have an open door or window so that they can get a little bit of fresh air in at them, don't overwater them as well. Uh, you know, that's that's important. They don't like to be really soggy. Uh, and uh, if you can, after they've finished flowering and you want to keep them, uh, move them outside onto a veranda and then finally uh, into the uh uh, you know, out into the full sun during winter. But, uh, you know, you can get them to come back again. You can give them a prune back. They'll have a, a second flush of flowers. And uh, even you can collect the seed if you want to and uh, get them to grow again next year. Probably a little bit too much uh, trouble. Easier just to go and buy another one. Uh, but certainly for a couple of weeks, they'll last inside for you. Don't overwater them. Make sure they're in a nice sunny spot. We'll talk about cyclamens later on, how to look after them. But let's first of all go to Sandra, who's rung in from Wards River. And while we're talking about mums or chrysanthemum, uh, Sandra's got a question about that too. Good morning to you. Oh, good afternoon to you. How can good help afternoon. You, um, a friend of mine wants some cuttings from my chrysanthemums, and I'm not sure when I should take them. Yeah, look, it's fine to do them now. Uh, so you always take your cuttings from, uh, you know, just where it's sort of hardening off and, and it's still nice and fresh and green and take the cuttings at that point. You can take them from up around the tips as well if you want to. Uh, you know, strip, leave a couple of the leaves on, strip uh, most of the leaves off and then get uh, some sort of cutting powder, some sort of, you know, hormone that actually will promote the uh, the roots coming out and then get some uh, cutting, uh, you know, some propagation mix and uh, just put them in there and water them as as normal. Make sure they're out in the uh, full sun. Oh, good. Thank you very much. That's right. Not a problem, Sandra. Thank uh, you. And those, of course, would be chrysanthemums that are in the garden, as you say. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and look, you used to drive around. I remember back in the old days, you'd see, you know, people had them growing in a little patch outside the... Uh, you know, outside in their front yard. Uh, look, they're probably not the most attractive uh, plant to have in your front yard because, you know, some of the leaves yellow off and things. But uh, certainly the flowers, you know, they're... they're I'm actually, not, is that why they're, they're, they're actually popular for Mother's Day? Because the, the mum bit is in the name? I was just about to ask you the same thing. Uh, well, it, it could be. I mean, we, we can make that the reason if, if we'd like to. But look, I'd suggest it's probably because they are a quick-growing uh, and long-lasting flower to have inside. And they're out at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Year, yeah, which it's, is important. Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's no good having a flower that for Mother's Day that's not actually out at Mother's <laughs> yes. Day. Yeah. Whereas things like cyclamens and chrysanthemums are out. They at, certainly are. So yeah. uh, we might talk about uh, cyclamens. cyclamens so I call them cyclamens, but if know. you want to call them cyclamens, I yeah. I used to call them cyclamens. I think we, you know, when and we then talk I went about to Britain. Uh, see, and they I think, call them cyclamens. I think about the you know the one-eyed guy, Cyclops. We yes. wouldn't call him Cyclops, would we? We probably wouldn't, but no. you might if you were in certain countries. Yeah, well, those those palms. <laughs> I don't know about them. <laughs> and in the meantime, we're still thinking about uh, Mother's Day flowers, Scott. 
Yes, I thought we'd have a talk about cyclemen uh, and just uh, how to look after them because they're probably, oh, look, the touchiest plant, you know, that you might okay. get for Mother's Day to have inside, yeah. Uh, and look, the reason for that is they don't like heating. So as soon as the temperature drops, they grow and they do very well, but only if they're out in the cold. And of course, we don't want to be out there looking at them. We want them inside on, you know, on the kitchen bench or something where they're looking very nice and, you know, where some, you know, your son or your daughter's given it to you and you think, oh, I'm going to think about them every time I look at that plant. But you turn on the gas heater or the air conditioning and they don't like it too much at all. Uh, so, look, the, the old uh, sort of uh, rule of thumb with the cyclamen is to put it outside at night. And what happens, it goes out into the nice, crisp, cool air and it sits back up very nicely again. Uh, the other thing with cyclamen, if you've got one, make sure it's in a nice, well-lit spot in the house. So, again, you know, where there's some northern light coming in. And, so, uh, if you've got a choice between morning light and evening light, which is the better? Oh, as long as they're light. Okay. Yeah, really. You just need some light coming through a window onto a psych to keep it nice. Uh, don't overwater it. They're one of those things where you don't want to have it sitting in a saucer of water because they're actually a bulb sitting in there. And if they get soggy and wet, you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, sort of fungal disease and just, you know, general sort of sogginess and the, the leaves are just going to fall away. So what, uh, what we do is we sort of, we water them, but then you wait for them to dry out and you almost see them starting to droop. And that's when you give them a water and you'll have a much nicer plant. And, of course, if you stick them outside every night, like I said, you'll do really, really well. Uh, look, a little bit of fertiliser will keep them going. Uh, once you're tired of them, uh, you know, once it starts to oh, warm... Oh, you don't get tired of Well, them, no, how could you? But, <laughs> look, you know, once it starts to warm up, they can go off and go back to a bulb. That said, I've had one go for, you know, like 18 months. So they, they still will just keep on going right through summer. They're quite a versatile plant. They actually come from uh, Greece, the Mediterranean countries. Yeah, um, sitting up on rocks and, you know, so they like that really crisp, cold air. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, then if, uh, you know, it does start to look a little bit pasty for you uh, as it starts to warm up, put it back outside, leave it outside. You can actually put it out into the full winter sun as well if you want to, and uh, it'll keep on growing for you. Uh, don't toss it away because it'll come back next to you for you as well. well that's always useful. Yep. And the sun doesn't hurt the leaves. No, it certainly won't. You off. might just ease it out a little bit, but generally at this time of year, the sting is uh, gone from the sun, so it's not really, uh, you know, too much of an issue for them. Excellent. Well, 49216216 is the number for you to ring for your question to come through to Scott Sharp today on Gardening Talkback. Peter has done that from Stockton, and we're talking citrus, are we, at the moment, Peter? Yeah, um, I've got um, lime and a lemon tree, and um, it is bearing fruit, but all the leaves are curling up. And on, in some cases, there's no leaves on top of the uh, new shoots. Yep, okay. Mate, mate it, yeah. it sounds like uh, you might have had a case of citrus leaf miner go through there, uh, you know, in March or April. And what that is, and it came a lot later this year, it was one of those funny things with the weather. Citrus leaf miner's a little moth that lays an egg, and then a weevil goes oh, okay. through, through the uh, membrane of the leaf and makes it curl up and look like that. Uh, and look, I reckon that's probably what's happened to you when you're just seeing the aftermath of that now. Uh, if you want to, you can give it a light prune back. Uh, you'll get some nice new growth coming through that. To keep citrus leaf miner under control, it's one of those things you have to uh, preventatively spray every week using a uh, product called Eco Oil. It puts a protective coating over the leaf of the plants and that stops the moth laying its egg. Uh, look, mate, it won't stop all of them, but uh, the Eco Oil is pretty good and keeps it pretty generally under control. You only have to do it 
uh, when the uh, the leaves are nice and uh, sort of fresh and new. Once they harden off and go that dark green, you don't have to worry about it. But when they're, you've got new growth coming on the plant in those warmer months, and that's why I said it went a little bit later this year, uh, that's when you need to use that eco oil. Uh, look, don't be too concerned about it now. Just give it a light prune yeah. back. You might get some regrowth now that it's cooling off. You know, it all depends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and later on, uh, use that uh, eco oil. Yeah, yeah, true. But look, the thing is, I guess you're get, probably getting a little bit uh, late now for your limes and, and lemons to be, uh, you know, ripening up. Uh, so, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if it starts to get really cold and they're not ripening up too much, uh, you can just start to thin them out off the plant and let the plant put more energy back into it, in it, into its growth rather than in the fruit that's not going to ripen up for you. Grasshopper on here too. Oh, mate, they're buggers. You've got to, get, got to get rid of them as well. They're eating the uh, leaves as well. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a bit of uh, garden warfare about yeah, to happen. Yeah, look, at a, your a place pair of scissors, though, for those. A pair of scissors. I love the way, though, that you're out there. You're sort of out in the field reporting to us what's happening to the plant in real time. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Thanks thanks for that, Peter. Thanks, and mate. Good to talk and good luck. Cheers. And uh, Elaine has rung in from Charlestown now, um, and we're looking at hyacinth now, Elaine. How can we help yes. you, Elaine? Hi, I've given hyacinth, and I was just wondering, how do I look after a hyacinth? It's, is it similar to a, a cyclamen or what? Yeah, look, I, I guess you could probably uh, you know liken it to uh, looking after a cyclamen in that, uh, you know, they're both, well, you know, a hyacinth is a bulb. Uh, a cyclamen is what's called a corm. It's a, sort of a smaller bulb. Uh, and look, you look after them same. Make sure it's getting some nice light. Uh, what you do with a hyacinth is once the flower starts to die away, you don't actually sort of cut it off and, and try and tidy it up. You can take off the flower if you want to, but you leave the leaves to die yeah. back because as those leaves die back they're actually feeding back into the bulb for next year uh so did you get one that's uh, in a pot or is it in uh... it's, it's in, a, in a little pot there's three in, in a little pot with a bow on it of course so uh, do i leave that inside or do it has to go outside into a into, no. into the garden pot well look eventually yes you will have to but the great thing about hyacinth is that while they're flowering you can just keep them inside and they'll survive nicely for you so you can uh, you know take in that fragrance and the appearance of them uh, but you know once they've started to die back you know stick them back out in the garden uh, if you want to you can leave them in that pot for next year and they'll come back uh, oh, or the, okay. the other thing you can do is take them out of that pot once they're completely died back and put them into a you know a paper bag uh, something that's going to breathe and uh, store them in the garage until next year when they'll come back again for you and you can repot them. Okay, do they, to put them outside, do they need to a sunny spot or a shady part shade? Or Yeah, look, what, what I say with hyacinth is once they've completely died back, you know, leave them on the veranda or, you know, stick them under the house, some, somewhere where it's dry. They're not going to, uh, you know, keep on getting wet. But you do need to have them back out in the sun uh, for next year, you know, when it comes around to, oh, you know, I'm trying to do my maths here, Mar- yeah, flowers, yeah, yeah. Mar- March or April, uh, that's when you need them back out in the full sun to uh, reshoot and get some flowers on there for you. All right, thank you. And the other one was yeah. white grubs. I've got some, pearl- I emptied some old pots out mm. and uh, it had lots and lots of this pearly white, curly little fat grub in it. 
Are they dangerous? What are those things? Okay, so you've actually you've hit upon it. They're actually called curl grubs. And what they do is they eat the root system of uh, plants away. Now, they're in, the, in the garden, they're not so bad. You know, that's just nature taking its course. Uh, you know, and they've got a, fr- you know, a freer range. They're like free-range chickens when they're out in the garden because they can, just oh, okay. roam, they can roam around further and they're not really going to do damage. But when they're in a pot, it's obviously much more contained and they're just going to, you know, munch away. They're going to go, ah, 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 and just eat whatever yep. they can. And, you know, they haven't got too far to go. Uh, you know, there's no horizon for them when they're in a pot. And they're just going to just destroy that plant. And you'll find that if you leave them in those, uh, you know, in a pot where there's a plant, you could almost just pull the plant straight out because they will have devoured the root system. Uh, they're actually the, uh, the pupa of, uh, you know, like a Christmas beetle. Uh, but you can get rid of them in a pot, and you do need to. Uh, you can either get some Confidor, or there's another chemical called Carbaryl, and you mix it up in the watering can and just drench it down through the soil, and that, oh, okay. will, get, that will get rid of them for you in there. Look, the other thing to do is just completely, you know, if it's not a big pot, just completely discard that soil. Well, I actually I did, and I sort of squashed them. <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard. About a dozen of them in a big pot. Yeah, and and it's one of those things you think you found them, and all of a sudden, no, there's more there. There's another one there. there. There's a baby there. So, uh, look, the drenching method's probably the best way to do it. Uh, What I've done in the past is, you know, if you've got a pot, you sort of tip it out on the ground and, you know, pick them up or invite a couple of birds into, uh, and I'm talking about magpies there, I might just add, Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, come and uh, eat them. And uh, and then you just put it all back in there. But, look, I think in your case, probably the drenching method's going to be the best uh, way to go. Okay, coming back to the hyacinth, do I need to put him in a sunny spot inside or in a shady spot inside? Yeah, look, again, with a hyacinth, keep it wherever you want. Uh, look best in Doesn't a sunny matter. spot, but uh, you know, the, the flower will last a couple of weeks and, and then it'll die down. And then just you know, do whatever you want with it after that, put it outside. Pat from Caves Beach, um, you've got a question about making your soil um, sweet for the plants. Yes. How are you going, Pat? How can we help you, mate? Very good. Thank you, Scott. I've got two questions for you, mate. Yes, mate. And I've got a question for you as well later on, so we'll get to that. <laughs> That's good. The first one is about poinsettias, actually. Yeah. And with these uh, strong winds we've had, they've snapped the branches off. They're pretty brittle, as you know. Mm-hmm. And would it be all right to put them down for some cuttings? Because a friend of mine's chasing one of them. Yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, poinsettias grow really well from cuttings. And, and you're right, they are a fragile plant. They're actually related to the euphorbia. They're a type of euphorbia, which is sort of sort of a cactusy thing. And that's why you see that white, milky sap coming out oh, of them. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, look, I just thought it'd be the wrong time of the year to do it. Yeah, no, look, look, if you've got them there, you might as well give it a crack. They, you know, as it's cooling off, they might not grow too well. But, um, you know, if you can get them to shoot, um, all well and good. And then, uh, you know, just hang on to them right through until spring and they, uh, they should come good for you. Very good. Yeah. Now, the other one was, uh, I'd grow my own vegetables, or a fair few of them, yep. and how would I, could I, have got a feeling, Scott, that my soil could be a bit sour? Yeah, okay. And, and look at and this. the reason I'm saying that, I'm sorry to butt in, the reason mm-hmm. I'm saying that is because I had cabbages last year, and they were all right, but they weren't as nice, and tomatoes, for example, and they weren't anywhere near as good as a few years prior to that. And I'm wondering whether the soil has gone a bit sour. I don't grow them in the same spot every year. I change those particular spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, what, what have you been fertilising with, I guess, is the big question. What do I? Yes. What do you normally uh, Stable manure. Okay, so horse manure usually. Correct. Yeah, okay. So uh, you, I think you will have to sweeten up the soil then. So you need to get some dolomite lime and do that. 
look, the reason I most people don't use uh, horse manure because it just hasn't been broken down as much, and there's still a lot of uh, urea in there, and it's it's high in nitrogen. Uh, so it could also be that you've just got a very high nitrogen build up in your soil as well, mate. Uh, yeah. So that, that is the nitrogen supposed to be good there? Well, look, it's good for the green leafy growth of the plant, but once you start to get uh, plants, uh, you know, like tomatoes that you want to flower, yeah. uh, then you've got a high nitrogen soil, and uh, there's not enough potash in there to promote the flowering of the plant. So uh, that right could on. be the case there. Uh, look, I'd uh, probably do a pH test or uh, and see what's happening there. I would suggest it might need sweetening up. So you need to get some dolomite lime and uh, start. Yeah, well, what I did, that. I put a or, or garden lime, whatever it was. Yeah. I put a I put a dose of that on there. For example, sprinkled it all over the garden and, <clears throat> pardon me, dug it in. Then about. Four months after that, Scott, I threw some dynamic lifter over the top. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, look, dynamic lifter you'll find to be, you know, almost pH neutral. It's not really going to do much uh, as regards to changing, you know, making the soil sweeter or you know more, you know, or sour. Yeah, uh, it'll just leave it the same. But the, I do- the potassium might do it. Good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, look, that'll promote the flowering of the plant. Uh, yeah. But again, yeah, look, it's the dolomite lime that's going to make it sweeter for you. If you want to make something more acidic, then you have to use. Uh, sulfur. Uh, look, the old rule of thumb used to be that you'd use cow manure uh, to acidify the soil and poultry manure to, uh, you know, sort of make the soil uh, more sweet. Uh, uh, yeah, and that, and that was the old thing, you know, that you'd uh, use poultry manure for your winter vegetables and cow manure for your summer vegetables. And eventually, yeah. you know, over the year, it would just even out for you. Well, I must admit, I was talking about the stable manure, the horse manure, mm-hmm. I must admit I'm pretty heavy-handed when I put it on. Yeah, okay. Look, and it, it might be just worth, you know, steering clear of that, uh, you know, for a year or so. I know it's, you know, usually free and cheap, uh, and, and that's, that's a great reason to use it, but uh, over time it does build up in the garden, especially if there's a lot of urea in there, you'll just get a very high nitrogen, yeah. uh, you know, sort of soil. Well, the main reason I use it, one, is because it breaks the soil up and makes the soil nice and fluffy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's because the, the horse apparently has only got the one gut, so it doesn't uh, digest its food as much. So that's why you get that, you know, the grass and the hay still in there, and it, it makes it fluffy, like you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Now, did you have a question? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, how's the beach out there? It must be getting uh, torn apart by this big swell. Oh, not, not in paradise, Scott. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's Carrington, mate. Uh, what's, what's going on? We've got oh, no, no swell no, over no, there. No, 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 you better, no. You better get your street directory a bit better than that because uh, <laughs> well, how about, no place like Coes Beach. You can, be, you can be paradise in the south and we'll be paradise in, in the well, city. Well, that'll do me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But do, do yourself a favour. Don't come down this way because you do, you'll never go home. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Good for your you, Pat. advice, Pat, and okay. thanks for your call. And uh, gardening talk back, it is 18 to 1, and Bernie has rung in from Merriweather on 49216216. An elm tree. Now, elm trees aren't, um, well, you don't find a lot of them around no, here, you do don't. You? Not in Merriweather, a big tree. How can we help you, Bernie? Yeah, hi. Uh, I've just bought a, a new house in Merriweather and uh, my sister-in-law tells me I've got a Buxus elm tree in the back and it has been very stressed throughout summer, uh, lost most of its leaves during the summer period and then towards the end of summer it started to shoot again. I believe they're deciduous trees um, and I'm wondering uh, with uh, spring coming up, what is the best... Uh, fertiliser to use for that and generally across the garden. Yeah, so how, how big is your realm at the moment, Bernie? Oh, it's uh, 
you know, it's a mature tree. Yeah, okay. Look, we, we were talking about this last night. We were down at the junction sort of having a, a bit of Mother's Day dinner and having a squiz around, and we were looking at the London plane trees down there and just saying, oh, what's going on? You know, they're still green, and, you know, there's even new shoots and things coming on them. And I think, it, it, yeah. like your tree, it's just been the weird and wonderful weather we've had. You know, we, it was hot. Uh, there was very little rain. And all of a sudden, we've had the rain, and it's still been sort of warm enough, and the trees are going, oh, what's going on here? And they're putting on new shoots. Now, I think that's all going to stop very soon. You know, we've got this colder weather now. You know, over the next couple of weeks, I think we'll see all these deciduous trees really starting to lose their leaves. Uh, so don't be concerned about that with yours, that it's a bit just sort of mixed up at the moment. Uh, look, as far as uh, fertilising around your tree, uh, look, probably some uh, cow manure is the right. best thing to start to spread around it. Uh, you just put it around the drip line of the tree and, uh, you know, sort of rake it in and uh, let it wash in over time. Yep, okay. Okay, okay. But, thank oh, you for that. Now, oh, second question. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, uh, someone has planted a magnolia um, about a metre away from the footing. Mm. Uh, is that a particularly good tree to have so close? Uh, look, it depends what magnolia. There's, you know, magnolia grandiflora. It's it's a huge tree, but the ones that most people are planting now are, you know, the magnolia little gem or the magnolia teddy bear. Yes. But that said, yes. they'll still get to about three to almost four metres tall. Uh, a metre away from the footing, I would say, is far too close. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, plant a tree that's going to get to that size, uh, mm. you know, within five to seven metres of, uh, you know, a wall or a footing. Uh, you just don't know what it's going to do. Okay, thank you. Okay, I just uh, thought I'd ask the questions yeah. first. So cow and you is a general fertiliser yep. for everything. Yep. Um, that'd be great, and thank you for your time. Okay, thanks for that, Bernie. Thank have a nice afternoon. Thank you very much for your question. I'm sure there are other people who um, also think, you know, have the same problem and would like to know about it. And, Lynn, yes, you've rung in from Redhead, and you've got a Tibicina tree, is that right? That's correct, yes. And it's not behaving? Definitely not. It's, well, middle, it's middle name's Lynn, I think. <laughs> well, look, you, you've come to the right place for corporal punishment, Lynn. How can we help that Tibicina? <laughs> Sorry, Dal? How can we help your Tibicina? Dal, and I've got it in a, um, in a, a very large pot. Yeah. And it's, it's been going well for the last five years. And then just, just this year, uh, the leaves are curling in. Something's eating it. Yeah. But they're eating it, the green part of the leaf off, and just it's a clear, like a clear film that they leave back uh, on the on the leaf. Yep. Okay. Okay. Now the one you've got, Tibicina jewels, which is the little dwarf one, uh, about a metre high. Yes, yeah, yes, that's the one. Yes. Okay. Because I was going, Alstonville's too big; it'd be three metres, and it'd be sort of taking over the house by now if you had it in a pot. Uh, look, now Tibicina's actually get a little caterpillar that will do that. They just sort of, they're on the underside and they'll just nibble away the membrane of the leaf. And uh, Sorry, the, you know, they'll nibble away the leaf and just leave that clear membrane there. Yes, yes. Uh, now, you need to get a product called Dipel, uh, which is a... Dipel. Yeah, Dipel, D-I-P-E-L, which is a bio-insecticide. won't harm anything else, but it will harm caterpillars. Uh, so that's that's the one you need to get, and just spray it liberally all over the plant, uh, okay. up up and underneath as well if you can, and that should right. clear, that should clear it up for you. Oh, thank you so much. That's all right. Now the the other thing, if you can't get Dipel, just go and grab some pyrethrum spray. Uh, it's a nice. Well, I, I have been spraying it with that, uh, and it's not working. That's not working. Okay, yeah. so I'll try and dig out some Dipel if you can. In that case, Dipel. Yep. Okay. Okay then. 
Thanks very much, much I'm, glad I, I'm glad I pulled over. Okay, good on you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you Bye. did too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Always good to do it safely and legally. And Tina has rung in from Mayfield. Tina, you're camellias. They're such a lovely plant, but you've got a question about them. How can we help you, Tina? Uh, yeah, hi. Thank you. Camellias are lovely. I had my house painted recently, so I ripped my front garden out for that and planted five lovely camellia plants. Yeah under my bedroom window. They've been there for about a year now. Um, I'm just looking. It's Amy Yoshiba is yes. the species. Yep, yep. And they've been thriving really, really well until this cold weather's hit. And now all of a sudden I've got yellow leaves, but they're all underneath the bottom. They're not spread throughout the shrub. It's just the bottom layer. So it makes me wonder if something's going on. Okay, look, it, 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 that's a difficult one to answer. Look, they could have some sort of disease on them, but you're saying it's all across all of them, are you? All five of them have yeah. yellowing leaves just on the bottom, like they're on a tall stalk and a bulb, and I read that you shouldn't prune them for a year or two, let them get established and then prune them. So I've just been nurturing them, and it just seems me, to me funny that the yellow leaves are all just along the bottom, not the top of the shrub. Yeah, look, sometimes with, with gardenias, uh, you can get, uh, you know, an iron deficiency in the soil. And sometimes they just get a bit thirsty as well if it's been dry. Now, you said you've got them along the front of the house. Uh, are they getting water there? I mean, do they, which way do they face? Because if they're facing to the north, then any, you know, rain that we predominantly get from the south actually won't water them too much. Which way do you uh, think? They, they, they face the west and they get the afternoon sun, yeah, morning yeah. and mostly afternoon sun. Okay. Um, they, get, they get quite a bit of rain, yeah. although they're under a, a sail, but they also get uh, water yeah. quite regularly. Okay. Mm. Look, I, I, would, I would just, uh, look, even after the last couple of days, of, you know, the bit of rain we'd had, I'd go out and have a bit of a poke around and see how moist the soil actually is around them. Uh, gardenias will, you know, yellow off like that uh, because either they're iron deficient or they're a bit thirsty. I mean, otherwise they're a very, very tough plant. Uh, now, look, as far as pruning them, you know, you don't really have to wait for the first year. Um, what will actually happen if you wait for too long? You'll get a, what we call a leggy plant where, you know, stems have just sort of grown up and then you're not getting a nice full even plant growing up. So it's actually best to go and tip prune them, uh, you know, quite regularly. Um, oh, look, you know, probably every month you can just go and give a little tip prune across the top of your gardenias and that will create uh, different, you know, growth points and then you'll get a nice full plant coming up rather than a like a straggly, tall, spindly plant. Uh, but look, I'd definitely check that watering. Uh, the other thing you could do just to uh, maintain the uh, you know the fertilizer in the uh, in the soil is to get a liquid fertilizer like flourish they do a specific one for camellias and gardenias and you mix that one up you can water it over the foliage as well it will be absorbed in it actually goes down into the soil as well and gets sucked up by the the root system and look i guess the reason is twofold for doing that you're feeding the plant you're also watering it to make sure that it's getting a, a nice drink as well every week yeah, okay. So you're not concerned that they're going to drop dead on me? Oh, look, no, not not really. They they can get scale. 
um, disease gardenias. Uh, what I would do in your case is, uh, you know, take off some of those uh, leaves, uh, even a couple of photographs. Uh, you can email one into us if you'd want to. Um, at, uh, Gardening I, at, at two two and and com. <laughs> Yeah, you can certainly do that. Or, uh, you know, if you're really concerned, uh, take a couple of leaves into your local uh, independent garden centre and let them have a look, horticulturalist have a look at it for you. So thanks very much for your call, Tina. And that brings us to the end of Gardening Talkback today. Thank you, Scott Sharp.